Thank you, team, for leading us so well this morning. Uh, well, it's good news for you this morning. You get to have a break from me. And, uh, yeah, I'm really, uh, really happy to introduce you to today's special guest speaker, uh, Dr. Rick Lewis. Would you like to come now? Can you make him feel welcome as he comes? Rick and I, we, we go way back to, um, what, yesterday? Yesterday, yeah. So we're, but we are brothers, and uh, straight away, you know, this is the thing about... Uh, about being in Jesus together is that is, is that you know we're connected, and uh, and and you just know it when you meet someone, don't you? Who's uh, with with God is like that, and so uh, Dr. Rick um, has been a pastor for um, thirty years in Sydney, uh, which is exciting. Uh, you know we love Sydney, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> Listen. Usually when you introduce someone from an, another state, we make a disparity comment. I was trying to do something positive, you know. We love Sydney, don't we? Yeah. yeah, see? It's good. I noticed you wore blue this morning, but that's okay. Anyway, we're really looking forward to uh, what God has um, to say through you this morning. <laughs> Thank you for your welcome. Um, yes, I, uh, I come from a, a different tradition. I'm a Church of Christ person, sorry. Um, but you're very gracious uh, in allowing me to uh, come here. Um, but more gracious than that, yes, I'm from Sydney. That's really gracious for you to allow. I do have a maroon uh, a scarf, uh, yeah, yeah, because I, I spoke at the Wesleyan Methodist Conference five years ago, and Rex very kindly noticed that I didn't have a maroon scarf and uh, decided to give that to me as a gift. So I, I do still have it, but I, I forgot to bring it. Uh, sorry about that. In fact, I don't know where it is. Uh... <laughs> Thanks, Rex. <laughs> yeah, uh, even though I am from Sydney, if I lived in Brisbane, I think I'd come to this church. This is great. <laughs> I have just loved being in worship with you guys this morning. Uh, it's just yeah, so good to be in the presence of God with brothers and sisters I've never met before, but we're all part of the family because God's our Father. Yeah. Um, I uh, did do a little bit of... Um, uh, sleuthing around your website. It's kind of creepy, isn't it? But that's what people do when they, they come here for the first time. They've already checked you out on your website. So I saw some things that, that one of your core values is to embrace people. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, about embracing people. It says it loud and clear on that banner. Of course, the pandemic has um, had an impact on the literal uh, implementation of that value. Uh, we can't embrace people in quite the way that we used to because of social distancing and uh, we need to make sure that we don't pass on a virus. But of course, um, we're not talking about something that's necessarily literal. The, the meaning behind this embrace people is more about um, some, something that is significant and makes a difference for the other person. I was talking to um, Pastor Nathan about this yesterday and he said, well, we could have put love people on there. The trouble with if expressing that as a value is that loving people could be just a warm feeling that stays in your heart. And God calls us to a little bit more than just having a warm feeling towards other people in our heart. Does it make a difference for them? So embrace people is supposed to say, actually, there's another element to this. Yes, love people. That's what Jesus said, didn't he? Love God, love people. They're the two basic things. 
But by loving people, he did mean more than just having a warm feeling in your heart. Embrace people actually says something about going out of your way to make a difference for them. And it makes sense because if we're to be the people of God, we have to love what he loves and he most certainly loves human beings who he created. See how uh, Jesus paints a picture of what God is like in the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, We've got a a little uh, slide um, that picks up a crucial moment in that story. You know, we call that story the story of the prodigal son, but you know, Jesus' point in telling that story was really not to draw attention to the prodigal son. Why did Jesus tell that story? What was he trying to convey? Something about God. Because people have the wrong idea about God. And Jesus came to say, you know, he's really, God is really not the way that you think he is. He is a loving father. And it, it gets to the crucial point in the story where the young lad who's really messed up big time in so many ways comes back home with his tail between his legs thinking I've got to make some kind of excuse. I've got to somehow get into my father's good books because I'm not going to survive unless I just beg for his mercy. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. That's what God's like. So our human tendency is to love people who are most like ourselves. The gospel calls us beyond that to love those who are different. And so this church actually has a public statement, which I also found on your website. It says this, we believe, Hills Church, you believe that God extends his love to people of all ages, from all walks of life and from all nations and cultures. Absolutely right. And, you say, we treasure the contribution that each can make to the life of our church family. That's a great statement. Good on you, Hills Church. That's who you need to be. It's an aspirational value, but it's really worth saying it. This inclusion of people starts here in the church, but it has to go beyond that. But this is where we practice This is the safe place where it's easiest of all because here we've got something in common with the other people around us, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, even though there is a lot that draws us together, there's still quite a lot of diversity to deal with. The love of God shapes the church to become a welcoming and inclusive community gathered around the person of Jesus and living his way. The uh, worship leader, Sam Hargraves, is a fellow from the UK. I really like uh, some of his material. And he wrote a responsive reading for use in worship that connects so well with these themes. Uh, It's a call and response uh, sort of thing. And I'd like you to help me deliver that this morning. Will you do that? Uh, There's a little answer back that you have with each uh, stanza. So as each section comes up on the, the screen, I want you to come back with the response, yet we are one in Christ. It affirms that value that you've got here on these banners, that we embrace people, that we are one. So this is how it goes. We are many, God's great diversity, yet we are one in Christ. That's pretty good. (laughs) 
Different faces, different races, yet we are one in Christ. Butchers, bakers, website makers, bankers, tailors, teachers, sailors, yet we are one in Christ. Fathers, mothers, sisters, brothers, single, married, broken, carried, yet we are one in Christ. The happy, the clappy, the barely out of nappies, the ancient, the modern, the famous, the forgotten, yet we are one in Christ. Some hopeful, some hopeless, some cope well, some cope less, some sure and some doubt, some whisper, some shout, yet we are one in Christ. Those with abundance, those with need, those who are generous or wrestle with greed, yet we are one in Christ. A broken body torn apart mars God's image, breaks God's heart. Yet our Father knows how the end will be when all his kids will sing in harmony. The bride will dazzle, her branches bloom. So add your voice to him the tune, we are one in Christ. Can we pray together? Our Father God, we thank you that you have made us one in Christ in spite of the great diversity and the differences that we see here. The work that you do in our hearts by your Holy Spirit draws us together. Lord, we know we've got some more work to do on this, but we've made a start by your grace. And Lord, please help us as we think about these themes this morning to be inspired by you to to cotton on to your thoughts so that we know how to take it out of this place into the world that you love so much that you sent your only son. Be with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, we might not always get inclusion and welcome and the embracing of people right, but I reckon we get it right sometimes. And I wonder if you can think of a time in your experience in this church where you have felt welcomed and included. Just think back over the time that you've been here. And it might only be a very short period of time. Has that happened for you? Have you sensed the embrace of God coming through other people, passing that on to you? And when have you offered that embrace to others? Particularly to others who were different to you. Have you taken that opportunity in the life of this church to reach out to someone who doesn't look like you, doesn't maybe talk like you, doesn't dress like you, doesn't have the same lifestyle as you do? We know that loving relationships between people is close to God's heart because he's a welcoming God. He wants all of us to participate in his kingdom and he's got a part for each of us to play in bringing his kingdom The message of Jesus was that the kingdom of God is open to everybody. If I really had to encapsulate um, the essence of Jesus' teaching, if you pull it all together, he's saying, you can live in the kingdom of God. You can live in a place where God rules, where things are the way that God chooses for it to be. The door is not closed to you, no matter who you are. It is open. You are welcome. The gospel um, going to non-Jewish people, to what the Jews used to call Gentiles, and most of us here are Gentiles, if not all of us, 
That was a pretty radical thing for the first century church. But it went even further. Um, In Galatians chapter 3, Paul says, There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's no male and female, you are all one in Christ Jesus. And Jesus wants his people to reflect that welcoming, inclusive heart. Paul writes in Romans 15, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So, have you got this value nailed? It's up there. It's an aspiration. Do you get it right all the time? I bet you get it right some of the time. But what I want to talk about is how can we lift what is already happening and going pretty well, which you already know is very important, and you're committed to as a church, how can we lift that to a gold standard? How can we lift this to something which is really excellent and fulfills what we know God has called us to be? What's it like when inclusion and welcome and embrace uh, is at its very best. Some people are really easy to welcome and include. Others are a bit more of a challenge. I want to suggest that there are three things that we'd be able to say of Hills Church if you were to get this to a gold standard. So here's the first thing. You'd be able to say, here at Hills Church, no one is too much hard work. No one is too much hard work. And you'd be able to say that when compassion, when the compassion of God, you know that that compassion that filled the father's heart when he ran down the road to embrace his son who'd messed up big time, when that compassion helps us to overcome our tiredness, then we can say, no one is too much hard work. Let me take you to Galatians again, uh, to chapter 4. This is um, Paul reflecting on the time that he was with the church in Galatia. He says, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Listen for this. Paul was sick when he went to these churches for the first time. Now, sick people can be a lot of hard work, can't they? So Paul was sick. It was because of an illness that I preached the gospel to you first. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me. As if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. For the... uh, New Testament study buffs. Here's a little clue as to what Paul wrestled with all his life. His health issue was something to do with his eyes, we think. Some kind of ophthalmic issue. They would have torn out their eyes and given them to him. Maybe it was some kind of blindness that um, Paul was wrestling with when he was with the church in Galatia. I have a member of my uh, Bible study group, Beck, Beck Stewart. She's not blind, but she is profoundly deaf. Uh, she's got a cochlear implant and a pretty high-tech uh, hearing aid. She's very good at lip-reading. Um, and uh, she works in disability services. She's a, a blogger on these issues. Uh, she actually got onto that TV show, You Can't Ask That, you know, and uh, had to answer all kinds of really invasive questions about what it is to be deaf. She says, um, 
the most hurtful thing about being deaf is when she's in a social situation and uh, in spite of all of the, her efforts, she can't quite pick up what other people are saying. And then when she says, I'm sorry, could you repeat that? And somebody says, oh, never mind. Because what that says to her is, you're just too much hard work. You deaf person. Like, you know, if you can't hear me the first time, well, forget it. It's so hurtful being regarded as just too much hard work. In Matthew 25, Jesus says, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Jesus is listing a whole lot of people who we often regard as hard work. The people who are hungry. And maybe not just hungry for food, but they're hanging off you. They're hungry for something. They want something from you. You know people like that? The hungry, the thirsty, the people who are strange, the people who need clothes or need whatever else it is that they're needy for, the people who are sick and they just don't get better and it's embarrassing because we prayed for your healing and now you're still sick and what are you doing here? The people in prison. Are they too much hard work? Now, when people have particular needs and when we are tired, but I know about you, but I often get tired. Life is tiring. Life is demanding. And you get to that point, and maybe some of you are like this this morning. You're here and you, you only just made it because you're really tired, but you knew you needed to be in church this morning. But you, you walk into this place and you don't have a lot left. You're kind of just hoping that nobody demands much of you because uh, you're empty. And then you see that person. Oh, do I really have to talk to them? Must I? I think maybe if I just quickly go and get a coffee, I can avoid them. I know what that's like. Realistically, we all have limits. But when I'm inclined to draw the line... I hear Jesus whispering, so what if that was me? And I'd say, well, Lord, if it was you, well, of course I would respond to you. He says, well, count it as me. You know, who are the people that you look at and you think, oh, my goodness, they are so much hard work. I'm not sure that I've uh, got what it takes See, this is the tiredness talking. It's not you're a bad person. It's just you're worn out. If you were feeling a bit more full, if you know, you were you know, on top of your game, uh, it wouldn't be a problem. You, you'd, you'd give generously, that would be fine. But when you're tired, oh, man, it can be really hard. So this is where we need to draw on the compassion of God. Oh, God, help me to go beyond my limits. Fill me with the compassion that you have for this person because I can't do this. Think about what that is for you and dig deep into not your own resources but his because if we do that, we'll be able to say, no one is too much hard work at Hills Church. No one's too much hard work. Everyone's welcome. 
The second thing you'd be able to say if you really lifted this uh, embracing people to a gold standard is that you'd be able to say everyone matters, especially the least. And we'd be able to do that when we throw away the pecking order. In Luke chapter 9, it says, An argument started amongst the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. And he said to them, Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me, for it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest. James reflects that same theme in chapter 2. He says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favouritism. He's saying, you don't have the pecking order. Don't discriminate. Don't be prejudiced. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, well, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, oh, you stand there or sit on the floor at my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Friends, it is human nature to assess people as greater or lesser, to show more or less respect, age, wealth, intelligence, attractiveness, social rank, achievements. All these things become criteria by which we calculate where we put people on the pecking order. And you know, God doesn't do that. He really doesn't do that. Jesus is calling us to embrace people without reference to rank, without reference to any of those criteria. That takes quite a lot of grace and we have to see things from God's perspective. The, the third thing we'd be able to say of Hills Church, if, if you were to lift this embracing people to that gold standard, is we'd be able to say no one is seen as a threat. No one here is seen as a threat and that can happen when we overcome fear. We actually sang some songs this morning that mentioned fear. And I find this a really interesting thing when I'm uh, mentoring leaders. It's very hard to identify fears. Because most of us, when asked, what are you afraid of, would say, mm, nothing, I'm not afraid of anything. Actually, we all have fears. And particularly the undeclared um, unarticulated fears that you know bubble around in our hearts, they are very powerful drivers of our attitudes and our behaviours. And when we don't really look and see what we're afraid of, these things just run rampant and go wild. Better for us to admit, yes, actually there are some things that I'm afraid of and then we can bring those before God and we can deal with those fears. Let me take you back to Galatians once again. There was a, uh, an incident there where fear drove some really unwelcoming behaviour. In Galatians 2, um, starting from verse 11, it says, When Kephas, which is Peter, when he came to Antioch, Paul says, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. That is, he used to, you know, just hang out with and accept and welcome people who weren't Jews. But when these other people arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that 
by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Barnabas, who is such a, is a classic figure of such encouragement and grace. But even Barnabas, through fear, drew back from people. So where do we today see fear compromising welcome? Where do we see fear getting in the way of this aspirational value of embracing people? Well, there's that kind of stumble that both Peter and Barnabas fell into where we are afraid of what people will say about us if we hang out with them. Have you felt that? I don't want to associate with those kind of people because people will will quite likely misunderstand that. And then I will get rejected if I hang out with those people who are not acceptable. And then there's fear of difference, fear of a different ethnicity, or fear of uh, someone who speaks a language that you can't understand. Irrational fears of what a person might do or the impact that they might have. Could we move from fear to friendship if we just spend a bit of time with these people who are strange and supposedly unacceptable? If we come to understand these people who are different from us, perhaps they wouldn't make us quite so nervous. I learned early in ministry that jerks are just people you don't know well enough yet. Inclusive, that word, has come to have a particular application in these days. Inclusive means we are inclusive of people who are with same-sex attraction. There's a, uh, a pastor of a, of a church uh, in the States, Caleb Cantonback, who um, has a church which is really quite conservative, has some very straight-up biblical values um, around how God created human beings as male and female, he has not compromised one bit on his conservative theology around um, sexual relationships. And yet, his church is full of gay people. People from the LGBT community come to his church in droves. How's that happened? Listen to this uh, little clip. If we've got that video come up, here's uh, Caleb Cantonback talking about his position on this. No? Uh, someone's shaking their heads. We don't have the video? Ah, okay. Uh, let me uh, then summarise what uh, Caleb Cantonback is saying. He's saying um, the trouble is that we get to be afraid of these people. And fear, he makes the reference to the way that politicians use fear to manipulate people. People can do all kinds of unconscionable things if they are afraid. He draws attention to what happened um, in the lead-up to uh, the presidential election in the States before last, you know, Hillary and Clinton, and both sides saying, oh, it'll be such a terrible thing if the other one gets elected. And then, well, he recorded uh, this video before the uh, last presidential election, but you can see how fear really gripped uh, people in the States and that whole political thing. It's easy to see that at a distance from the other side of the Pacific. But, you know, these things happen here too. Fear makes people do all kinds of crazy things, things that they wouldn't normally do, that they don't really believe are right. And if we are afraid, if we allow fear to creep in, uh, 
our fear of people who have same-sex attraction, maybe people who are, have adopted a full-blown homosexual lifestyle, if we are afraid of that, we may treat them in ways which are very different from the way that Jesus would. We've got to get fear out of the equation. That does not mean that we compromise on what we believe is biblically true. We stick to our, our principles on those things and we know what is truth, but we get rid of the fear. And he says, God is not afraid. It's not like God's up there in heaven wringing his hand going, oh no, no, what am I going to do about these gay people? God is on the throne. He's, he's completely calm about these things. So in these three ways, you know, we can allow tiredness to stop us from being as welcoming as God is. God is not tired. Allow his energy and his... Uh, his life and his strength to come through you to overcome those things. His compassion to come through you to overcome that tiredness. God is not prejudiced. He does not have a pecking order. He doesn't discriminate with people. And so we draw on his graciousness to overcome our own tendency to rank people as worthy or not worthy of our welcome. God is not afraid. He is completely secure. So allow his greatness and his power, his might to dwell within you, to quell those fears. You don't need, need to be afraid of anything. You're, you are completely secure in God's grip. So from that position of security, you can address those people who have very, very different lifestyles and love them the way that Jesus loved those who were regarded as unlovable. God embraces people. And so do we, by his grace. If we're going to lift it to the gold standard, this is going to take us beyond our own capacities. It'll take us beyond our tiredness, beyond our prejudice, beyond our fears, into the place where God can embrace people through us. Do you know God's welcome of you? It's so good, isn't it? To come before God and know that he does not He's not on your back, he's on your side. <laughs> he's included you in his family, even you, even me. Well, if you know that welcome, please do pass it on to others. But perhaps God's welcome is something that you've heard of, but you've never really experienced. You've never responded to it. If you've never experienced what it is to be included, welcomed, embraced within God's family, I want to say the door is open wide. It is so wide and God is running down the road offering you his embrace right now. Maybe you've got your tail between your legs and you're thinking, I don't deserve to be embraced. You know, I, I've messed up. You know, that doesn't matter to God. He just loves you. He just wants to take you in his arms. He wants to say, you belong to me. I made you. I know you. I know what you can be. I want to help you be that. Come, let God embrace you because he certainly will. And we as his church will do our best to express that embrace to you as well. Pastor Nathan, would you come and pray for us? Let's lead us before God in this. Lord, this morning, uh, we, even as we...
gathered around your table this morning, uh, we, we recognise it's an invitation from you. And, and so we receive your embrace again. We, we thank you that, that you are the God that, that, does, that ran to us. You are the God that went looking for us. You're the God that loves each person here. And so we receive your embrace this morning. Just as we're praying with your eyes closed, I just want to uh, extend an invitation. If, if you've, you've never felt that embrace from God before, if you've never um, come to him, because he's waiting for you, I want to invite you to do that this morning. You can just echo a prayer in your heart after me. Lord Jesus, I, I, we see you waiting. We acknowledge you as God. And we admit that, that we have done wrong and we need you today. I believe in you, Jesus. And today I want to commit my life to you. And receive your forgiveness and your grace. I'm sorry for what I've done. Thank you for loving me first.